Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We are glad that you're here this week. We've had about 200 kids and counselors that have been gone, and do you just pray that they would resurrect from the dead after they all get back. Well, this morning we are going to uh, preach a very unusual sermon, but uh, I think that uh, someone is going to say, you know, the Lord brought me here just to hear this message. How many of you think that's possible? I think it's possible. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, it may be you this morning. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for the word that's living in our hearts. And God, send it forth to do what you want it to do today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here this morning. How many of you have ever said, I would never do that? Okay, let me talk to this group over here. How many of you have ever said, I would never do that? Okay, here's some good advice. Never say never. Because we get trapped in that, and sometimes we think, well, I'd never do that, or, you know, my kids would never do that, or whatever the case may be. And how many of you know we might be lying just a little bit? Because things change in our life. I came across some very interesting things that people said they would never do, but they did. Here's 12, very quickly. I thought I would never start, start bird watching. I never thought I'd get a cat. I never thought I'd tell my kid, because I said so. I never thought I would take a nap on purpose. <laughs> Put clothes on my dog. Move back in with my parents. I used to think that it was silly that people cared so much about their lawn. Now I'm obsessed with manicuring my lawn, and I thought I'd never do that. I thought I'd never talk to my plants, drive a minivan, go to bed early. I never thought I would do that elf on the shelf thing. How many of you know when you have kids, you never thought you would do some of the stuff that you do? And, and here's the last one. I never thought I'd pay over $4.50 for a cup of coffee, Carrie. <laughs> so there's a lot of things we, we said we would never do, but how many of you know things do just change? So 2 Kings chapter 8, and I want to read to you a passage out of the Bible that uh, Maybe you've never connected these dots. I don't think I have fully connected the dots to, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit is going to help us share some things that will help you wherever you are today. So Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come here. And the king said to Haziel, Take a present in your hand and go meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? So Haziel went to meet with him and took a present with him. And of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? And Elisha said to him, Go say to him, you shall certainly recover, however the Lord has shown me that he will really die. 
Then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept, and Haziel said, Why is my Lord weeping? So here is some orientation and background. Uh, uh, Elisha is the prophet after Elijah, the prophet of God in Israel. Damascus is the capital city of Syria. Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria. And if you notice his name, it's Ben-Hadad. Ben means son. Hadad or Adad is the prominent god of Syria or the Syrians. It is an old god from the Amorites, which is the god of thunder and lightning and storm and rain. So how many of you know sometimes they just uh, recycle gods back in those days? Uh, at least three Syrians in uh, that time was named Ben-Hadad. It's almost like the term Pharaoh. So son of Hadad or son of Adad, which means the son of their God. How many of you know he was not the son of God, but Jesus is the son of God. And so now Ben-Hadad is a term much like Pharaoh. There has been Ben-Hadad the first and Ben-Hadad the second, Ben-Hadad the third. And we're pretty sure this is Ben-Hadad the second. So here we are. And this man is dying. He's going to die. There's no recovery in the natural. And here's some very strange things that go on in this passage. And here's number one. It's strange for the king of Syria to ask a favor from a man he's been trying to kill, a man that's been his enemy for years. This is strange. And I have to take you back just a little bit to get the, the, the full force of the story, back in chapter 6, Syria had always tried to overtake Israel. And so they're attacking time and time again, but God would show Elisha, the prophet of God, where they would attack. So every time that the Syrians would attack Israel, God would reveal that to Elisha, the prophet of God, and he would tell the king of Israel, this is where they're going to attack. You need to get the forces up there, and every time they would meet the resistance and repel the attack. Now, this didn't happen once or twice. It happened many times. It happened so many times that King Hadad is furious. He said, we must have a spy among us. Every time we attack, they know where we're going and they meet our army. Well, you know, you think that they're all panicking. They think there's a spy in their midst. And one guy in the back of the war room, he holds his hands up and he says, hey, hey, hey. He said, that, that's not true. He said, there is a prophet of God in Israel, and every time we attack, he knows his God reveals to him where we're coming, and they repel us. And here's the line. He knows what you say in your bedroom. How many of you know God knows? He's the omniscient God that knows everything. So that's why these people are enemies. They've been trying to kill Elisha. They're trying to capture him. So one day, Elisha's in the city of Dothan. And there he is with his servant. And early in the morning, his servant gets up. He goes outside, and he sees the entire Syrian army circling that little city of Dothan with their chariots, with their horses, and they're after one guy, and his name is Elisha. They're going to put a stop to this. Now think about that servant. He goes back in. You know, Elisha's getting ready to have some biscuits and gravy and uh, no bacon. But anyway, so he, he's, he's early in the morning, and the, the servant goes in and says, Boss, we're in trouble. 
What's wrong? The entire Syrian army has circled this city, and I think they're looking for you. So Elisha goes outside. He sees the Syrian army, and he turns to his servant, and he said, don't, don't worry. He said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. How many of you know God's for you? And he knows exactly where you're at. He knows what to do. He knows how to rescue you. He knows how to help you. And, and, and that poor servant, he said, I don't know what you're thinking here, but we're in big, big trouble. And Elisha says, God, open up his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, you know what they began to see? They saw the army of God that had circled the army of their enemy. How many of you know God's got your enemy already circled today? He, he's already working on your behalf. And they saw the chariots of God, chariots of fire, and the horses that are supernatural encamped around the enemy, around their chariots and horses. And this is the prayer of Elisha. He said, Lord, he said, blind every one of them. And you know what happened? Every one of the army could not see. And Elisha, I love this, he led them all back to Jerusalem. He led them all back to the capital of Israel. And he said, uh, here's the army of Syria. And, and, and the king said, should we kill them all? And Elisha said, no, let's just send them home. And they sent them home. So this is the setting. So how in the world, isn't it strange that now they're asking a favor from a man they've been trying to kill? But that is the story. Now, the second thing that's a really strange for me is for the Syrians to call Elisha a man of God. Isn't that strange to you? They don't worship God, Jehovah God, the mighty God. They worship idols. These are pagans. They worship Hadad or Adad, the storm god, the rain god, the lightning god, this god that is no god, little g, idols and images. And here they're calling Elisha the man of God. It happens twice there, and he has been a thorn in their side for years and years, but they say, hey, he's the man of God. Here's the third strange thing. It's not only strange that the king invites Elisha to Damascus, it's pretty strange that Elisha goes to Damascus. And let me tell you why. He could be walking into a trap. I mean, th this could be, uh, you know, something nefarious. I mean, they're, they're trying to get him there, trick him there. They're, they're scheming to get him there. Because until verse 9, we have no record that Elisha even knows why he is going. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we really don't know why we're doing what we're doing. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. So sometimes we just have to walk in what we know. We walk in our call. We walk in the Word. And it's just one step at a time. It's not, I can't see the, the whole thing to the end. And I don't think Elisha knew the, the, the full story. He's just doing what he knew to do. You know, I use this analogy a lot. You know, if you're here at, you know, 7 o'clock tonight and, and we, we have maybe a late service and you don't get out to 9 or 10 or 11 and you're in the parking lot and say, man, I'm in trouble, Why? My headlights don't shine all the way to my house. How many of you know we'd need to pray for those people? But this is what we know. If you'll just keep moving, your headlight will shine before you, not all the way to your house, but if you just keep moving, it'll get you home. And you and I have to have faith. We're walking by faith, not by sight. So 
it's kind of strange that Elisha goes there not really knowing the full intent of why he's there. Here, here's the fourth thing, and I think it's very unusual to me. It's somewhat strange that King Ben-Hadad offers Elisha these costly gifts and presents, and it's strange that Elisha accepts them. You say, why would that be strange, Pastor? Because if I go back just a few chapters, chapter 5, this scenario has already happened. Naaman, the general of King Ben-Hadad, has been there because he's dying of leprosy, and he gets cured by God by dipping into the Jordan River seven times, and this is what Naaman tried to do. He said, Elisha, I have a treasure of gold and silver and costly garments here, and I want you to have those. And you know what Elisha said? I'll receive none of that. I mean, you know, we don't do what we do for money. We don't do what we do for wrong reasons. You know, we're, we're not hirelings. And so Elisha, he refuses it. But here, the Bible says that maybe he received that because there's no really... Uh, thing that says that, that he did not. Look at verse number 9 if you have that. So Haziel went to meet with him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you saying, shall I recover from this disease? You, you know what camels were back then? They were the semi-trailer they were the semi-truck and trailers of the Middle East. I mean, you could load them down. They could go long distance. They were big. They could carry heavy things. They didn't need a lot of water. How many of you have ever heard of a caravan? How many of you know they didn't caravan chickens? Or goats or mules or horses or even donkeys. Most caravans were what? Camels. Why? They could go the furthest, the longest, and carry the greatest loads. Now we have the choice things from the land of Syria on 40 camels coming to the man of God. And here is the thing. The reason I'm giving this to you, will I recover from this disease? Verse 10, and Elisha said to him, go say to him, you shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will really die. Then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed, and the men of God wept. And Hazel said, Why is this man weeping? Why is he crying? Do, do you realize that what he said really sounds like double talk to me? Did you catch it? Will he recover? He will certainly recover, yet the Lord has shown me he will die. What in the world does that mean? I, I mean, it, it, it's like, is he lying to Hazael about the king? Will he recover? Will he die? And when he says that, and I want you to catch this, he looks at Hazael, and he begins to stare at him, and he stares at him so long, it's uncomfortable. You ever had anybody stare at you so long, Roderick? It just gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? And then he begins to weep. And Hazel said, why are you weeping? Let, let me tell you what's happening here. Elisha is looking into this man's heart and his soul. 
He's looking beyond the facade into something deeper in him. How many of you know the Lord knows the thought and the intent of our hearts? I mean, we, we can put on a good show, can't we? I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm all dressed up, and I did take a shower this morning, and it looks like I'm clean, and I smell pretty good. But you know, inside of me, it may not be that way. Inside of some other people, it may not be that way, right? So we have to realize that there are things in people's hearts and their lives that we cannot see, we cannot really ascertain unless the Lord gives us an insight to that person, their heart, their life. And he says, why are you crying? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. The strongholds that you will set on fire, the young men you will kill with the sword, you will dash their children, rip open the women with children. So Hazel said, but what is your servant, a dog, that he would do this gross thing? Never say never. Because what he said he would never do, we're going to find out he did. He's going to invade Israel. He's going to kill the young men with the sword. He's going to take the children and take them by their ankles and their little legs, and they're going to slap their brains out on rocks and walls, and they're going to take pregnant women, and they're going to rip open their bellies with those unborn children, and they're going to brutalize this nation. But notice what he said. He said, am I a dog? Are you looking at me and telling me I'm going to do these things? I would never do that. How many of you know? Never say Never. Let's say it again. Here we go. Ready? Never say never. I would never do that. Um, let me give you some thoughts. Ben Haydad probably said, I would never invite Elisha to Damascus. Been trying to kill him for years. Elisha may say, I'd never go to Damascus. These people have been trying to kill me for years. Haziel said, I would never do the things you're accusing me of, Elisha. How many of you know, never say never. Because I'm going to tell you, when you look at this account, when, when you look at Ben-Hadad, you look at Elisha, you look at Haziel, why would Ben-Hadad call for Elisha? Well, when you're dying, things change. Now listen, when you're getting ready to take your last breath, things change. Do you realize there are people who fought against God? Maybe they're atheists. I would never turn my heart to God. I'd never go to church. I'd never believe that. But once they're dying, how many of you know a lot of people change their tune? And you may be here today and say, hey, I don't believe that. That's malarkey. That, that's, that's just a fable. Let me tell you, at your last breath, you might say, never say never. Because when we get there, I want you to know that you need hope, you need help. And maybe you remember, I had a general that went down there with a deadly disease, and he came back healed. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe the God of Israel is that powerful. Maybe this man of God knows something I don't know. And let me tell you, never say never. When you're dying, your position doesn't matter. When you're dying, your wealth doesn't matter. Like the guy, he said, well, he was rich. How much did he leave? The guy said, all of it. Didn't take any of it with him, right? Listen, it doesn't make a difference what your position is, how wealthy you are, your education, your, your, your status, your luxury. Let me tell you, when you're dying, 
You just want to make sure you're headed the right direction. And as far as I know, there's only two. You don't get stuck in the middle. You either go into heaven or you're going to that other place that ain't heaven. Let me tell you, there's a real heaven. There's a real hell. So never say never. Why would Elisha go? Well, when God sends you, you go, right? You want to do the things of God. When your feelings get in the way, when, when you get hurt, when you get slighted, someone says something about you, someone hurts you and harms you, how many of you know you just got to say, I got to get past that. I got to do what God wants me to do. I got to be the person that I need to be. So Elisha had to lay aside some things and say, I'm not going to do what I feel. I got to do what God wants me to do. So never say Never. And here we go to Haziel, this man who said he would never do what Elisha accuses him of what he's going to do. Good question, right? And here's this enigma. Tell him he'll recover, but I want you to know he's going to surely die. How do you explain that? Well, the Bible explains it. Look, look at verse 14. Then he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me that you would surely recover. But it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face so that he died, and Hazael reigned in his place. You want to know where waterboarding started? There it is right there. He dipped a heavy cloth. He went into the king because he has access. He lays it over his face and he assassinates the king, which fulfills the word of God. Tell him he will recover. He will not die of this disease, but he will surely die. And the very thing that Haziel is upset with the man of God for saying that he would do, now he has begun to do it. So you and I have to be very careful that we don't say, I would never do that. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Let me give you some recent news. Recently, a school principal was arrested in Texas. You may have read it, trying to solicit an underage minor for sex. A woman raped in a park. There is an article out this morning from the Wall Street Journal. Violence against teachers is on the rise in the classroom. A woman kills her boyfriend's six-year-old daughter and leaves it the body outside of the girl's mother's home. A woman pushes a three-year-old onto a train track. A couple is accused of injecting their kids with heroin. A, a, a Philadelphia man kills his wife with a crossbow. Horrible news! Why in the world has our world come to this? Well, I want to tell you. Because we live in a place on a planet that sin has corrupted the hearts of people and the minds of people. You say, well, pastor, it's surely going to get better. Oh, I got bad news for you. It's not going to get better. You can get better, but the world's not going to get better. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I want to tell you something. You may have thought, I would never do that, but your heart is corrupted by sin. And if we don't get a new heart, you wouldn't believe what we're capable of doing. You wouldn't believe what we're capable of saying. 
You wouldn't believe what we're capable of doing to hurt other people, doing to hurt ourselves. This is what James said, chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So we say, okay, this is who I am. We look in the mirror, we, we leave, and we say, I'm not for sure who I am. Why do we do that? Because our heart is desperately wicked. And we're capable of doing things that are despicable. You see it all the time, don't you? You hear it in the news. Our law enforcement, you know, our legal system, dealing with people. You think, how in the world can people be that cruel? Because they are fallen into a nature that is deceitful and wicked and desperate, according to the Word of God. And sometimes we say, well, I'd never do that. Hold on, honey. Oh, I would never do that. Hold on, sir. Let me tell you about one of Jesus' disciples. His name is Peter. And so Jesus looks at his top man, the guy who has the keys to the kingdom. And he said, Peter, just want to let you know something. Before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times so let's hear Peter's response even if I have to die with you I will not deny you Peter never say never you with me could, could you join into the chorus here here we go Peter never say never I would like to tell you this was months before, this was days before, this was weeks before, this was only a few hours before Peter said, I would never, ever do that. I'll die with you. And guess what he did? He denied him once and twice, three times, the very thing Jesus said, Peter, you'll do. And Peter said, I would never do that. Hey, Peter, watch it. Never say never let me tell you what Peter did. If this wasn't bad enough, he turned to his friends and said, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not. They may deny you, but I never deny you. You know, these guys over here, they're not up to the level I am. How many of you are hearing the preaching this morning? They're really not at the spiritual level that I am, Lord, because I'm your top guy. I've got the keys to the kingdom. And I would never, ever do that. Peter, listen, never say never because you don't know what can come into our hearts, the right circumstance, the right position, the right place. You would be surprised at what people do. You see... We, we can go through a list here. I'll never do drugs. I'll never be an addict. I'll never have premarital sex. I'll never smoke. I'll never be unfaithful. I'll never view pornography. I'll never quit church. I won't ever gossip. I will never lie. I will never forgive them. I will never forgive myself. I will never get over this. Hey, listen, never say never. Because we can say this, um, Oh, my kids would never do that. Hello? 
My husband would never do that. My wife would never do that. Really? I found out that we're just human. Have you found that out? Sometimes we do things we thought we would never, ever do, and we do them. You see, um, we have to be careful because when we never say never, we think about, I thought I would never be here. I thought I'd never be at this place in my life. I thought I would never be at this place in my marriage. I, I thought I'd never get divorced. I thought I, I would never remarry. I mean, we could go on a litany of things. How many of you know you better never say never? Now, why is that true? Well, 2 Timothy, Paul addresses that. It's chapter 3. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's the progressive degeneration of mankind. Now, when he says man, he's not talking about gender. He's talking about mankind, both men and women. He's saying, listen, in the last days, this is going to get worse. As we're getting closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, and personally, I believe we're getting closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. And he said, let me tell you what's going to happen. The world's going to get worse. Now, he said, you can get better. You can turn your life around. But I'm going to tell you, the evil in this world is going to get worse. There is a progressive degeneration of mankind. I want to ask you a question. Do you think 50 years ago, or I'll go 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, would you think with me that some of us would say, I thought that would never happen. The things I see in schools, in politics, in our culture, let me tell you, I'll be the first one to admit, I thought that would never happen, but never say never. I never thought I would see this person on the can of Bud Light. Did you? Some of you are so holy, you don't even know what I just said. I, I, I thought I'd never see those type of swimsuits at Target. Some of you don't have a clue about that either. But guess what? Never say never. Well, let's get off the negative. Here's the good news. When you think you can't change, you can change. So never say never. When you think that others can't get over the hurdle, they can get over it. If you think you can't overcome depression, if you think you can't overcome that despondency, if you think you can't get past that giant, I want to tell you, never say never, because you can. Let me give you some more. Um, can I overcome this addiction? Can I have a happy marriage? Well, I'll stop there. Why, Pastor, would you say that? Here we go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. I can overcome this addiction. I can have a happy marriage. I can change my attitude. I can forgive that person, forgive myself. I can get over this loss through this valley of grief. I can overcome this depression, this negativity. I can be happy. Why? Never say never. Never say I can't do that. Never say I won't get past that. Never say I can't overcome that addiction. Why? Because through Christ you can. 
I mean, it's possible, isn't it? Let me tell you a personal story as we close this morning. Many years ago, Carrie and I, our first little boy, Nathan, was born with a lot of issues. And he died at 24. Some of you don't know that, but his life was challenging. It took 24 hours around the clock care for him. Carrie did most of that. There was feeding, bathing, picking him up, clothing him, changing his diaper, trying to take him to places for his health, put him in the hospital for a while. And I can't tell you how many times that we wrote a check for everything we had just to get through one chapter, one visit, one hospital. Then after a few months, you'd try to regain some money, and guess what you'd do a few months later? You'd write a check for everything you had start over. I can't tell you how many times we did that. And you say, Lord, this is getting old. Will we ever get past this, over this? And then for eight years, we said, I don't know if we'll ever have any more children. I don't know if we can handle this. But how many of you know, never say never. So eight years later, Aaron was born. Three years later, Matt was born. And what would our world be if we didn't have those boys? And it even gets better. We got five grandkids now. So in your critical moment, when you want to give up, I can't get through this. I can't get over this. I, I, I'm bound by drugs. I, I'm bound by pornography. I, I'm bound by my own faults, my failures. Let me tell you something. Never say never. There is a God full of mercy and grace. There's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ went to the cross, died there, shed his blood, that we could be free from our sin, our iniquity, our faults, our failures. So don't ever say, I could never do this. Well, I'll agree with you partway. You can't do it on your own. But with the power of God in your life, with the grace of God in your life, with the power of the Holy Spirit, never say never, for with God, all things are possible. He can do above and beyond what I can even think or ask. So never say never. Hey, Ben, hey, Dad, never say never. Elisha, never say never. Hey, Ziel, don't ever say you would do those things because you don't understand how despicable we can be as a human race. We need the grace of God. We need the power of God. We need the strength of our Savior to change our lives. Never say never. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, listen, maybe you don't know who I am. You don't know that I've been on drugs. You don't know that I've had failed marriages. You don't know that I have you know, this. And You know what I have to say to you? Welcome to the human race. There's no rocks thrown here, but I can tell you what, what is here. Grace, mercy, hope, and the salvation of Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. Would you bow your head with me right now?
We have some people who's going to help us pray, and I'm going to ask them to come right now and stand along this front. While your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. First of all, I want to say to you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know Him. You have to have strength. You have to have His grace and mercy. If you don't know Christ, or maybe today you need to come back to Him and have a road back like a prodigal, there is a road to Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. It's going to take some courage to do that. Just lift your hand with mine. Thank you. Is there somebody else you'd just like to lift your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I, I just need God in my life. Thank you. Other people are raising their hands right now. Thank you. Thank you again. I, I want to wait here just for one second. Is there anybody else? I, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Thank you. And thank you. Now, let me ask one more question. You may be here today, and you're saved, and you're going to go to heaven. But between now and a pearly gate, there can be some very difficult times in our life. You may be struggling. You, you may be saying, Pastor, if you only knew what's going on behind the scenes, if you could be like Elisha and look into my life, you wouldn't be happy to what you see. But you know what? God already sees it. He already knows it. And I'm going to tell you there is strength and there is mercy and there is grace and there is power through the Holy Spirit to help you today. If that's you, right where you sit, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going through something right now I could use some help with. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, a lot of hands went up. Let's all stand right now. If you lifted your hand for any reason, I want you to be so bold and courageous, you're going to step out from the pews, from the top of the cascades, the seats. I want you to come and stand all across this front. Listen, we're not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray together. So right now, I want you to step out. Come on, let's give these folks a hand. Come on, church. Listen, several of you raised your hands. I want you to come and just stand right here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to help you, to strengthen you. Listen, if you feel like you're in a bad situation, here's my advice. Never say never that you're going to get out of this because God's going to help us. How many of you believe that? Amen. Listen, I need about 50 or 60 people to come and help us pray. Would you come and stand with somebody? Would you just lay your hand on their shoulder? Would you just stand next to them? Let them know you are not alone. You're not by yourself. We're in this together. We're going to see God move in our life. Come on, let's pray together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're our God. You're the mighty God. You're the thrice holy God. And today we stand before you believing that you have help for us. You have strength for us. You can change our life. You can redirect us. You can help me in my marriage. You can help me in my depression. You can help me in my challenges. So God, today we pray for your help, for your strength, for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, touch us, heal us deliver us, save us as we cry out to you, as we call out to you, the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would move in supernatural ways, look into our hearts, change our lives in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shanda. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your healing. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. 
We exalt you. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Hallelujah. Listen, I want you to know there's tears streaming down at this altar. People with heads bowed, asking God, crying out to God. The possibilities of God working in our lives, changing our lives. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So before we leave, let me share a couple of things with you. We, we have a big group coming in about 1230 to 1. So uh, zombies are going to be walking in here in a little bit. Tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be back. But could we say this together as we leave? Um, I, I think maybe you'll remember this, and I'll say it first, and we're all going to say it. Never say never. You ready? Here we go. Never say never. Now, come on, let's say it with some enthusiasm. Here we go. Never say never. Let me tell you, with God, all things are possible. God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of the afternoon. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.